So with that said, today we're continuing to study the last teaching section of the book of Philippians, and in it we're looking at two important themes in the Christian life. I'll be brief here, just kind of summarizing. The first address is how to follow Jesus in such a way that we can experience the dynamic nature of the Christian life. That's the point of this parable we've been studying. And the second, which we're going to get into in the the very near weeks that follow, chapter 4, it addresses what it means to be the type of person who experiences Jesus' joy because they've learned to dwell on the good nature of God in their life. Thus, you know, a a scripture reading plan. That's one of the ways we, we discern and understand the good nature of God in our life. And so in our text today, Philippians 3.17, Paul tells us to look to him as an example in both these areas. And this idea of following Jesus is what we have and we'll continue to look at over these next weeks, especially during the summer. The summer is kind of a funky time for us. A lot of people travel and they're kind of all over the map. So we wanted to do something this summer that really frames, keeps us together even if we're apart. So you can pipe into these sermons online. You can read the word when you're not even with us. But we can all continue to grow in Jesus, even if we're in you know, Minnesota or Wyoming or wherever you're going to vacation this year. We want to be able to continue the progress we're trying to start here in this section of, of Philippians. So this concept of following Jesus is what we are going to be talking about over the weeks that follow. And today we're going to use the same strategy we've employed throughout this whole series to, to understand what Paul is saying here. We take a very brief statement, profound statement Paul makes in Philippians. And then we practically apply it by turning to the root of where these words are found in Jesus. And this section of scripture addresses his famous parable of the sower or soils. Because keep in mind, if you've been with us from the beginning, I've said this a lot. In Philippians, Paul is just kind of like he's rattling off these ideas. And uh, they're quick. He's moving on to other ideas. For us, I wanted us to have a little more process space, especially in something as significant as following Jesus. So in the parable of the sower, we learn that one of the keys to following Jesus and deeply listening, or excuse me, deeply experiencing his joy in life is connected to this ability to listen or understand Jesus' truth with the ears of our hearts. And according to Jesus, 10 cent summary, there are four kinds of soil or hearts in this world that God's truth regularly falls on. Remember, a parable is just a, it's an earthly example of a heavenly reality. So soil really talks about the type of heart that we have. And seed talks about God's truth. Each one of these soils responds to God's truth in, a, in, in really negative ways. Three of them are negative. Only one of them is truly fruitful. The first soil, some humans' hearts are like the soil on a hard walking path. It's packed down so hard, kind of like that walking path they're blowing right now behind us. You hear that? Uh, <clears throat> may the Lord grant me patience this morning. <laughs> Tons of it. Uh, some human hearts are like the soil on a hard walking path. Uh, it packed, it's packed down so hard that God's truth can't penetrate it. It's like, it's like throwing a handful of seed on a piece of concrete. Instantly repels it. The second soil was the shallow soil or heart. The soil that uh, sort of quickly responds to Jesus and is very excited about who Jesus is. And then when, when this heart realizes what it means to follow Jesus, they, they fall away. Last week, we looked at the third soil, the thorny soil. Uh, how the weeds and the thickets grow amongst the healthy crops of life. And the thorny soil, or the third soil, talks about a person trying to follow Jesus with a divided heart. This is a person who, who loves Jesus, but lets the worries of life and the, the deceit of wealth and pleasure and success, all of these things essentially rob them of their love for Jesus. It, it, it's a competition, and at some point the competition wins, meaning Jesus is pushed out of the frame of life. All unhealthy soils, all warnings Jesus gives us about how to pursue him. And today we look at the fourth and the final soil. And as we continue on in this, I just want to challenge you to to listen with the ears of your hearts again and really consider carefully the type of heart you want to have 
when we speak of the way we respond to Jesus's truth. This is the good soil. This is the way Jesus wants us to be. And this leads me to the only truth, the only point I will share with you this morning. It has been one point for four weeks, and it will be the same today. In this parable, Jesus challenges us to consider the way we respond to God's truth in our everyday lives. Every soil is designed to get us to think about who Jesus is, what he's trying to say to us, and how we're responding to it. And I want to reread a brief section of what was already read to us, so we're reframed as we jump into this. Matthew 13, 3 through 8. The crux of followership in the Christian faith falls upon this parable. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, this is Jesus speaking, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. That's the whole point of the parable there, right in verse 9. Everything Jesus is saying, he's saying, listen, if your heart can hear this, listen, because what I'm about to tell you matters. Now, the fourth soil, or the good soil, shows us that God's desire is that we always respond to his truth with a pure heart. We don't respond with a divided heart or a hard-hearted or a shallow heart. We respond to what he teaches us, what he shows us, whether that is through his word, his community, other people of God who love God, and mission, the way we serve Jesus. Wherever we are engaging touch points with God, we should respond to that with a pure heart. And particularly, this, this idea Jesus talks about today is how we receive the word. This will also be a bit of the subject of what we talk about next week. So if we really want to follow Jesus to his joy... We must learn to recognize these first three soils. And we have to strive to always receive God's truth like Jesus talks about here. We have to have a bit of a, of a bearing to say, you know, my, if you're in Jesus, my life is drifting into one of those areas. That that's, can be a challenge, a problem. And certainly as we're on mission, we want to be able to recognize where some people might be rooted up in those soils. And they really think they have faith, but they don't. They, they essentially prescribe uh, 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 excuse me, they, they prescribe to a faith in Jesus, but they don't really have the fruit of the evidence of Jesus in their life. This is an attitude we want to introduce today, and we'll continue to unpack over the summer. So in verse 8, Jesus tells us, some seed fell on good soil, where it produced this amazing crop, 160 or 30 times what was sown. And in verse 23, remember we have the privilege in Matthew of Jesus explaining everything he says afterwards. There's no deliberation on what's going on here. It's very clear. In verse 23, this is the person, Jesus tells us, who hears Jesus' truth, seeks to understand his truth, and desires to obey his truth. This is soil that's fertile, and when Jesus says something, it goes in there, and it, it takes root, and a person begins to think, pray, and process all of this stuff. And as a result of receiving God's truth like this, Jesus says, God produces an incredible harvest in their life. And the harvest in this passage, by all standards, would have been a farmer's dream crop. You're talking about like the money load here. Like this is the kind of thing that it's like a once in a lifetime crop a farmer has. These types of numbers Jesus talks about. Now we should find this good soil metaphor deeply encouraging. Because remember, my, my point today and Jesus' point is not for you to leave here knowing how to farm better. Unless you're a farmer. I don't think we have a single person in our church who farms. There is a practical, physical, spiritual, and emotional reality Jesus is trying to communicate to us through this. It should be encouraging because what Jesus is saying in this passage is just like an amazing crop on earth, 
that produces an otherworldly harvest, when we truly desire to hear God's truth and to listen to it with our hearts, God intends to produce a type of fruit in our lives that is nothing short of miraculous. When we live in His truth, He can grow something out of us that will lead us to His joy in life. It will lead us to peace and happiness. Frankly, He will lead us to an unrivaled love of life. I want to say that again, an unrivaled love of life. If you want to see your circumstances in life in a more healthy manner, if you want to be able to deal with the stresses and the challenges of life, if you want to love life, and God wants you to love the, the life you have because he's given it to you. He so cares about your life that he's provided a way for you to have it for all of eternity in Jesus. You have to live and dwell in the truth of God. So the mark that a person is responding to God's truth with a pure heart is that they desire to consistently follow the ways of Jesus. We desire to know Jesus, grow in Jesus, and let him work in us. Now, it's important to note that a faithful follower, like we're talking about here, a good soil follower of Jesus, doesn't mean a perfect follower of Jesus. I want to be clear, Jesus is not saying that when we start to really hear his truth, we no longer have faults and failures. Those things don't go away. It's, he's not saying, like, listen, when the good soil is working and doing what it does, that our challenges in life, our trials in life, our, our distractions in life, all those other soil challenges, he's not saying those things go away. He's really saying that we actually will be able to address those things in a much better manner, in a way that doesn't compromise our faith. It actually enhances our faith. What he's saying is a follower of Jesus will have a growing desire to know God's truth, to live for God and others by being obedient to his truth. And that's what we'll talk about over these next months. And it leads us to a rather natural question this morning, a springboard question. What does a life rooted in the healthy soil look like? Each week we've asked that question uh, in correlation to the soil we're looking at. Today we're asking, what does a life rooted in the healthy soil look like? Well, let me give you an introductory answer. We begin to answer this question like this. When God's truth truly takes root in a person's heart, it produces a faith that perseveres. Produces a faith that sticks. Think about it. The, the main point in all the other soils, right? The end game, or I should say the, the process, the soil is all different. It's all doing different things, but the end game of each soil is the same. There is no faith. Faith is somewhat of a toy. It's something dabbled with or resisted aggressively. There's no sticking in those soils. Unlike the first three soils that faded away when trial, sacrifice, and distractions came, the final soil has a, a distinct difference. It endures to the end. It means the, the decision you make to follow Christ, to pursue Him, as, as challenging as, as it can be, as, as difficult as it can be, at the end of your days, you're still following Jesus. That journey can be challenging, but it's a journey you never get off of. And that's because perseverance in the faith is one of the great promises God has given his people. It's one of the evidences that you are persevering. In this case, is when you are growing in your desire to follow Jesus. Your, your soil, your heart, is not drifting into the other three categories. With each passing day, you have a more keen awareness of the fact that those soils are, are going to hurt you from following Christ. But a receptive soil will actually help you to follow Jesus. and experiences joy. And so the answer to this question is sort of a simple one. The clearest sign your life is rooted in healthy gospel soil is when you desire to respond to God's word with a heart that is good and noble, a heart that is true and pure. And we know this, not because I needed to find some words to fill in a point. We know this because Jesus literally tells us this. And I want to read to you his answer to this question. He answers this in Matthew, and we're going to bounce into Luke this morning too, because 
there's another account of this parable where we get some, we get some Luke insight on it. Here's Jesus' answer to what does a life rooted in a healthy soil look like. Matthew 13, 8. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And when he said this, he called out, Who has ears to hear? Let him hear. So one of the marks of the good soil is that God is producing fruit. In this case, like amazing fruit in your life. And keep in mind, amazing doesn't mean like sensational. It can be, I guess. But it doesn't mean like, you know, you're, you're a super Christian and you walk through life and you're able to like stop worry with one hand and remove doubt and win people to Jesus and baptize them in fountains here in the pavilion. That all could happen. But when we talk about God producing fruit in your life, that can be in very sensational ways. But what is more likely the reality is that it'll be in very deep and significant, sometimes maybe not even very public ways. It's when God begins to work in your heart and he changes areas of your life. Or when you struggle with anxiety or you're dealing with these issues, God starts to, to provide peace for you. So when your net worth in life you think is zero, but God gives you a sum worth that's astounding. Sometimes these things are not necessarily even visible to the people around you at first. But God is doing something to you. So an amazing harvest doesn't mean something sensational. It can mean that. I just mean the God of the universe is now working in your life and your heart to bring about himself in you. And that is a pretty amazing crop if you think about it. If you have ears, hear that. In the Gospel of Luke 8.15, Jesus further explains this parable when he says, But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart. It stands for those who hear the word, those who retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So we get an interesting insight to the way the crop comes around. The crop comes around by, by the posture of our heart. In other words, God is looking for a certain type of heart to work in. A noble and a good one. Who hears the word, retains it, and perseveres. It's the perseverance that produces the crop. Now the way Jesus ends this parable would have been a real shock to those who were listening to it. And if you are a student of the word, you know that parables always end like this. It's like a setup every time. Whenever Jesus gives a kingdom parable, he's building some idea, and then nine times out of ten, he knocks the idea down and provides a truth contrary, an unexpected truth. Think about this. Even in here, we've been hearing about all the ways soil fails, right? After spending a, a fair amount of time talking about all the things that can destroy a healthy crop and finding truth and grace in that, all of the things that can destroy a faith, Jesus totally flips the script, and he leaves his audience with a great word of encouragement. He leaves his audience, and us today with a promise that will require us to deeply reflect and act upon if we want to experience the har this harvest reality in our life. In other words, if you want fruit, you've got to persevere in this idea we're talking about today. You see, the good soil teaches us something very important about God's character. Remember, parables teach us something about the king, his kingdom, and his followers. So here's where the parable goes to the king. The good soil, who, who's God, obviously. The good soil teaches us something very important about God's character. Despite all of the ways the life of the seed can be lost. Three out of four of these, these analogies are lost seed. What the fourth soil shows us is that Christ in his infinite grace keeps on sowing his truth and grace into the world. He never stops despite the fact that according to this parable, three out of four people will likely look at this and think it's silly. That's pretty significant. Because Jesus knows when his, when his truth hits a good heart, it produces a pretty amazing result. There's even something that his patience is waiting for. For us to activate ourselves in God. For us to be at a place where Jesus' truth penetrates our lives. And it starts to do something amazing for him. This is the soil he looks for. And he never stops casting that seed. Even though a great majority of the time he is rejected. And so it teaches us something about the long suffering of God with people and humanity. 
This, this perseverance in God is true for the way Jesus works in our lives and without doubt the way he works through our lives. I want to say that again. This parable shows us something about the way God works in our lives and the way God desires to work through our lives. There is something profound we can learn about our faith in both these areas. Think about this. This parable teaches us, despite the fact that a great many people will reject his truth, marginalize his truth, and nominalize his truth, Jesus still without fail keeps sowing his truth into the hearts of people, even us when we do that. Because he knows there are people who are going to receive his truth and grace. They're really going to recognize, they're going to hear at some point that they are loved by God. And because of that, they're going to start to desire to love and live for Jesus in their world. The farmer keeps working the soil because he knows that is out there. So simply put, this parable shows us Jesus never gives up on people. And because of that, neither should we. Now, no matter what we think is or isn't happening in our own lives, I don't know where you think your soil is today, but if you're in Jesus, I'm telling you, he's working your soil. No matter what you think is happening in the lives of other people, Oftentimes we feel like nothing is happening. You're praying for somebody for some time or you, you have a, an expectation that you place on somebody's life and it's failed miserably. Or that same paradigm applies to your own life. You're, you know, you're pressuring yourself into wondering when something's going to change or when you're going to grow or when will whatever this is that I'm dealing with in life be different. The truth is that it can often feel like this, nothing's happening in the soil. But if you're in Jesus, if you're pursuing God's truth, sharing his grace, you have to know that his word never returns void. Never. Never, ever. It is always doing something. Even if it's showing people their unbelief, it is still doing something. God is always working in the world, in our lives for those of us in Jesus, and he wants to work through our lives in a world without Jesus. Now, what this means is every time, I want you to think about this, lay the sensational aside. What this means is every time you and I read the Bible, every time you and I pray to God, every time you and I wake up and say, I want to change this in my life. I realize this is an area I need to grow in. Every time, if you've got kids, we as parents share scripture with our kids, whether that's quoting a verse or in a very colloquial way, sharing a truth in their hearts when they need to hear it. Every time you and I counsel a friend with God's truth, every time a worker here does something, whether you're hauling a speaker around or teaching a kid this way or a student that way or pouring coffee that way, whatever you're doing in this place, every time all of you engage in community groups, whether you're leading or participating, every time I give a, a, a message in here, a sermon, and you hear something in an environment like this, every time you leave this place and God writes a truth on your heart that causes you to think differently or you share a truth with somebody that causes them to think differently when you leave this place, every time we do this, God is doing something in the soil of the world. And we have to know that. We should be deeply encouraged and guided by the truth Jesus talks about here. The main point of this parable is that despite all of the ways the world can fail to produce fruit, uh, excuse me, despite all of the ways the word of God can fail to produce fruit in the human heart because of the way people handle it, when it is received with a good heart, a pure heart, the result will always be an abundant fruitfulness in that person's life. This is the norm, Jesus says. This is the promise and our perseverance in the faith will bring it about. So I hope you see and sense, I hope you really hear, no pun intended, that this seemingly impersonal, impersonal parable about farming, right? We're talking about farming. It's something that none of us do. It has a very pointed personal application to your life and to mine. And through it, God wants you to really hear something about your life. That application is where we will spend the rest of our time this morning. And here it is. In the middle of this parable, Jesus says, if you have ears to hear, 
let, let him hear. Listen to what I'm about to say. And in Luke's account of this, Jesus clarifies what he means even further. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and a good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. You want to know how to be good soil. You must hear with a good heart, retain and persevere. Now, what does this mean? And just as important, what are the action steps we can take in our lives to help cultivate this amazing harvest God wants to produce in our lives? How do we translate the farming analogy to Monday morning? Well, if you want to follow Jesus to his joy, there are two listening rhythms that must be present in your heart. Here's how we'll begin to wrap up this morning. Two listening rhythms, two hearing rhythms that must be present in your heart. The first, a sign you are really listening to Jesus' truth is when you start to hear the word of God with a good and noble heart. I'm just going to pick up where Jesus left off in Luke 8, and we're going to run with this. In Luke 8, 15, Jesus uses two words to describe the kind of heart we need to have if we want God to produce an amazing spiritual harvest in our life. And Jesus tells us that we must receive God's truth with a noble heart and a good heart. And what this means is when God speaks to us through his word, the posture of our heart should be to listen to him with an open and unprejudiced mind. I want to say that again. What this means is when God speaks truth to us, the posture of our heart should be to listen to him with an open and an unprejudiced mind. That's, a, that's one sentence. That's a world rocker. <laughs> I mean, just going to be very honest. If God has ever spoken something to you and, and called you into an area of life that you're not yet in, this is a pretty mind-blowing statement. It means no matter what he's telling us to do, so long as that truth can be validated in his word, key here, right? There is, a, there is a, an objective truth that we live our lives by. The desire of our heart should be to listen, process, and act. Now, that can take a very long time. But what I'm saying is, is listen, processing, and acting, when necessary, is what the rhythm of hearing is in our life. And I like to describe this hearing experience as a series of mini resurrections on our journey with Jesus. Let me explain. Last month, we celebrated, or actually, I take that back. It's now two months by a couple of days. What do we celebrate as Christians? Easter. So you guys know that Easter happened this year, but you guys don't. We'll, we'll catch you up at Christmas, okay? <clears throat> Last month, uh, in, in April, we celebrated Easter. And Easter teaches us what? It's a holy Christian day where we focus on the... That's right. We focus on the fact that Jesus came to earth, died for us, and he, he, there was a resurrection. And through that resurrection, we experience redemption and a fullness of life like no other. I say all the time, it's through death that Jesus brings life. Now, if you're a Christian, in the context of Easter, the resurrection likely makes perfect sense. You hear Easter, and a great many of you knew, you, you know, you knew the bullseye of what we celebrate as Christians during that day. I want you to take that and run with me here for a moment. If you really think about it, the same principle we observe in the resurrection is true for how we apply a teaching like the one we are talking about here. And what I mean is, in order for us to grow in Jesus, to really follow Jesus, to really find joy in life, we will spend the rest of our days learning to die to self in areas of our life in order to experience new life. And what are likely going to be, at times, very sacred and personal areas of our life. The same is true. Through a death comes life. And that's why I say, following Jesus in the Christian life is like a series of many resurrections. We have to learn to experience and apply for many of us, when we first hear Jesus' truths, no matter what they are. So if you're a guy that comes from a, or a lady that comes from, maybe, maybe you come from a moralist church background, you are beat with the Bible for years. And you hear the word commands, man, you're like flipping your lid, right? I get it. That's sort of the faith pedigree I became a Christian. And I went from a, an, an almost 
I went from one, one lost pedigree to another words. And moralism was taught to me. It's like, the way you act is what validates your life in Jesus. It's very true. But you can't act properly with a good and noble heart unless you have grace in your heart. So when you hear these things, right, if, if the commands of Jesus, you come from a moralist background, you hear that, or you hear like, you know, maybe you're about your own freedom and autonomy, and you hear like Jesus now calls you to live your life in light of his gospel. These ideas, when they first hit our hearts, can feel more like death than life. However, if you are good soil, it cannot remain that way forever. It's an evidence of the good soil. For example, years ago I heard a sermon from a pastor I really admire. We'll use this counseling session. I'll springboard off of it. He, he shared a story about a conversation he had with a young man who became a Christian and realized uh, one of the ways that God asks us as men to display that we have a good and noble heart. This is true for men and women, but this is a story about a guy here. Uh, one of the ways that God was asking this young man to display a good and noble heart before the Lord was by no longer having sex outside of marriage. Now listen to me. In today's world, this is seen as an antiquated, arcane, moral idea. Tune into the news for five minutes. Nobody's talking about this anymore. And in many circles, this, this deeply significant biblical truth has a very rich gospel application. It's viewed as a joke in some people's lives. And this young man expressed this concern to him and said, listen, man, you, you know, it's sort of like he dabbled in the divided soil for a little bit. He said, this is like a freedom I have in life. You, you can't take this away from me. Who's, who, who gets the right to tell me I can't do this? And what the pastor said was, this guy said to him, I feel like I'm dying in this area. Like you're, you're snuffing the life out of me right now. However, because there was process, because there was community, because of, in this case, a moral was actually married with grace. This guy did not just kick this dude to the curb. He spent the time investing in him. Because we all have our issues in life that feel like death when Jesus brings them up. The more they spoke, the more he came to understand the beauty of how this seemingly arcane marital command is meant to show the world something very significant about God's covenant love for us. Mainly, that is deeply committed to us for all of eternity. Once Jesus is in our hearts, he's not, he's not messing around. He's with us and for us forever, right? One of the evidences, one of the... One of the uh, the heavenly realities marriage is supposed to show on earth. When the beauty of that command hit his heart, over time, the perspective started to change. So what's happening here is truth is hitting his heart, and God is working the soil. He's, he's at least wrestling with the idea, and God is, is reshaping his heart. Over time, his heart changed in this area. And he literally said, what first felt like a death to me actually became a new life to me. God literally caused him to die to self in an area of life in order for Jesus to bring new life to him in that area. It is a mini resurrection. Something dies for life to bloom. Now, if we're being honest, this is how a lot of God's truth is when it first hits us. And I am, I don't, I, I am not biased here. If you've been a Christian for 12 days or 70 years, there are things in the Christian faith, if you're really pursuing Jesus, when they come across your plate, that are challenging. That's how much of God's truth first is when it hits us. When Jesus starts talking about his expectations of what a good and noble heart is, he starts addressing all kinds of sticky life matters. Frankly, no area of our lives is off limits to his word, his truth, or his voice. Whether it is in the realm of the physical, like we just talked about, the spiritual, the emotional, Jesus is trying constantly to rewrite new truths on the tablets of our heart. He is challenging the areas of our life that are out of sorts with him. And when it happens, especially in the sacred areas of life, the areas we don't want God messing with, and we all have them, I have them, we likely feel like it is first a painful death. What? 
no way. I, absolutely not. In that area of our life, we're rocked at the core. Let me give you some examples. It's when God starts sharing his truth with you and he says things like, hey, I've noticed like the temper is really short these days. The fuse is short. I need you to think about what it means to be more selfless and sacrificial with your love towards others. Sometimes at great personal cost to yourself. And how does he remind us of that truth? Not by bludgeoning us with a moral, but by saying, listen, you are in me because my son showed you an immeasurable amount of selflessness and sacrifice. That's the rhythm he wants us living in. And it's not easy to hear. Or when he gently reminds you and I that he is becoming less and less a priority in life. Like the soil last week. That guy didn't just wake up and walk away from God. It was like degrees of separation over years. And God loves you and me. And so what he's going to do is when we start separating by degrees, he's going to start talking to us about that. He's going to say things like, hey, you, it seems like I'm less and less a priority in your life. And I think it might be a good idea for you to make some adjustments to what you do with your time. Who wants to hear that? I did a whole series on busyness. We're in the busy culture. Nobody wants to be told what to do with their time, but I'm telling you, God will tell you what to do with your time. If you want to follow him for your days, he's going to speak into that because he loves you. Or it's when he wants you to, he asks you to ask yourself some questions about financial generosity when it comes to your church family, those who are in need in your life, your neighbors. You know, I say, you know, generosity includes the tithe, but it far exceeds the tithe. Generosity knows no boundary in the Christian faith. Jesus starts bringing this stuff up and he starts saying things to you like, hey, does your life generosity reflect the kind of Jesus paid it all lavish generosity my son showed you on the cross? Look, when God starts talking into those areas of life or the other ones I'm not even touching today, those, those main, those central areas, if we're not really listening with our hearts, we might feel threatened at first by God. The knee-jerk reaction, step back, back off. It might hurt to examine those areas in life. It might feel like these sacred areas of life God is shoving us in a coffin and attempting to close the lid. And I want you to know that if it feels like that at first, the truth is he is doing that. Now, please don't leave here because I don't want you leaving thinking God shows me in a coffin. That's messed up. The truth here is he's putting you in the coffin. He is trying to close the lid on an area of your life that needs to die. But you have to know if you will retain it, wrestle with it, persevere through it. There is going to become there's going to be a moment where he opens the coffin where the lid opens and the light comes in. And what you're going to see is that you have been redeemed from something that is unhealthy. A perspective in life, even some of these good things, our relationships, our time, our money, these are gifts from God. But they can become shackles that they, they put us in bondage if we're not careful. God does not want us living a life of death in those areas. He wants to raise us to walk in a newness of life in those areas. And that will require praying, processing, and acting. This is simply put, how God works in our life. This is the sign of the fertile soil. When we die to self in any area of life, God will resurrect a new truth in that area of life in a way that more deeply reflects Jesus and more substantially satisfies us. So what I'm telling you is when God pushes your button in an area, process it. Don't just step away from it. At least give the word and his hands a time to work in your heart. All change in the Christian faith comes around this way. And you have to know, you'll never experience that if you don't desire to hang on the word of God. If you don't desire to approach God with a good and noble heart, with an unbiased and unprejudiced heart. That is the sign of the good soil. I don't agree, Lord, but I'm going to try to. That's the sign of the soil. And through that process, through gospel community and mission, God begins to work. So the first sign is, simply put, that we have an open heart, a pure heart before God. We give God the benefit of the doubt if we really believe he's God.
Secondly, and I mean, uh, this is brief, and I mean very briefly, I want to say one last thing about this rhythm, if you have it in your life. Some of you have been in Jesus for some time, and, and this is a rhythm like you're saying, you know, some of these areas God's wrestled, he's wrestled in these areas with me, and I have new areas I'm dealing with, but I feel like this is a rhythm I'm trying to apply. If this is you, then I have uh, an additional layer I want to give to you. This certainly applies to those that are not wrestling with what God is saying right now, but it also applies to those of us who are trying our best and in God's grace to press into this. Another sign you are really listening to Jesus' truth is when you desire to guard the truth God has put in your heart. This is true in a lot of the writings of the Bible. Uh, In Paul's epistles, he often talks about the deposits that God makes in our life, the gospel deposits. He uses like straight up military analogies. He says things like, guard guard this like a soldier would guard a, a, a tomb of gold. The idea is that if this is present in you, you have to recognize how precious this is. How amazing it is that God is working in your life. And the reason you have to guard this truth is one of the clear distinctions of of true Christianity is that it's not just about outward behavior or religious actions. I want you to think about this. Uh, I talked about morality, time, and money a minute ago. All of those things I just mentioned can very easily be relegated to, to this camp of external behaviors. We can just do that stuff without a good and noble heart. We can do good things without the nobility of Jesus that, God, that Paul talks about here. Very easy to relegate action to just a, a, a camp of deeds without the gospel-centered heart behind it. You have to know in a teaching like this, it's much, much more than that, though. It's about doing those things with a good and noble heart before God. Proverbs 4.23, it'll be behind me, puts it this way. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Whatever's coming out of you, if it honors Jesus, you have to know, like those first three soils, hardness, shallowness, distractions, all of these things will vie to keep you from a pure and a noble heart from God. You have to press into the grace of Jesus and be mindful of the fact that it is easy to drift at times. That verse lends a clear weight to the point of this parable. It says, if you truly want to hear and live in God's truth, Don't expose your heart like some heavily traveled path to all the evil influences of this world. Don't get hard. Don't let uh, stony surfaces in life, hardness overlaid with a superficial spirituality, take away your joy in Jesus. That's the second soul, right? Do not become the cannonball Christian and love everything about God on Tuesday and then misspell his name on Friday. Don't be that person. Don't be the person who lets the worries and the cares of life, the desire for money and pleasure, grow up like weedy thorns in your heart and rob you of the life that Jesus wants you to have in him. Because simply put, when you you pander to those soils, God has a purpose for your life that you can no longer press into. God has a purpose for your life that exceeds your wildest imagination. According to Jesus, if you press into this rhythm and guard the goodness of your heart, hold on to his truth, Jesus says God will bring about a harvest in your life 30, 60, 100 times what you even think he could do. What you're praying for right now, God likely has bigger plans in mind for you for your future. The farmers couldn't even fathom this crop, and that was the point of it. God wants to work in you, so let him. In this parable, Jesus challenged a large crowd on the Galilean lakeside to think through how they would receive God's truth. And you have to know, his challenge is no different for us today. So as we move into response time, let's remember God's desire for us is that we follow him with all of our heart. And so the first thing I want to ask you to do this morning is to resolve in your heart and by God's grace to be the good soil, the soil that God can firmly plant himself in. And right now, for about 30 seconds, 
This will not be the only time you'll have a, 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 an opportunity to get this. If you miss it here this morning or you're going to get it online and there's a problem with your internet, just call us, email us, or text us. Do something. This link will be all over for these next months. The way I want to challenge you deeply right now to be good soil is to engage in a Bible reading plan. Hit it, Omar, if you would. Pull that up for us right now. <laughs> Omar's dancing up there. Here we go. This right here is the link to the plan. Write it down. Take a picture. We'll keep it up. I'll be silent here for a couple of seconds. Record it somehow. If you don't have a pen or paper or a phone, you can go to the Internet. Go to our, we our website, restorationpo.com. It's front and center on the header. You can link to that, and it'll bring you to it. But just take a moment and record this if you would. Get serious about being in good soil for, these, for this next year. Secondly, as you read the Bible, I want to ask you to commit to faithfully worship with us throughout these next months here on Sunday. Consider involvement in a community group. Consider involvement in this room, but outside of it. And what I mean by that is truth is meant to be processed in community. It's not, you, God never desires that you take an idea from him and then go home and figure it out on your own. That is not the way the Christian faith is meant to work. It is a very dominant way people in our culture today think the Christian faith is meant to work. But I'm telling you, even Jesus had men around him and women around him whom he poured into. They basically heard these parables, and then they'd sit down with him in a room, and they would figure this all out together. You will sell yourself short on the good soil if you practice solo Christianity. So make it a point to be engaged in the body of Christ here. And if you know what that means, you know what your next step is, contact us. If you're saying, I think that sounds great, but I have no idea what that means, contact us on those connection cards, and we will help you figure out what that next step is. And as you do both, get in the Word and get more deeply engaged in community, I pray that you ask yourself, when it comes to following Jesus, and especially what type of soil you are, what is Jesus saying to you, and what are you going to do about it? Pray with me. Father in heaven, thank you for this morning. Thank you for a powerful parable, 2,000 years old, that has been changing the lives of men and women trying to follow you for two millennia. And I pray, God, with the same expectation this morning, that as we close the, at least this section, that we would think about the soil of our heart and that we would ask during this time where it is that our soil is hard, shallow, or divided. And that in your grace, you would show us places where we can grow. You would affirm in us places where we are growing, and that through that combination of reminding us where we are in you and where we are not yet in you, you would do something mighty in us through the power of your Holy Spirit. You would bring about the type of, of heart-deep change. You would build into us a heart that is, is good and noble and pure. Not perfect, but good and noble and pure. God, I pray the desire of our heart right now would be to pursue you with all of our heart. And as we move into this response time, I pray you'd have your will and your way with us. In the name of Jesus, we pray all of this. Amen.